Well, good morning, Crossroads family. I am so glad that you are here with us today. We are continuing our series called Succession, and this is all about building a foundation to your faith that will not only stand the test of time in your lifetime, but will also be a legacy of faith that you can pass on to future generations, a legacy of faith that will impact the people that are in your circle of influence. And for the last three weeks, we've been looking at the life of Elijah, the most famous prophet in the Old Testament, uh, the prophet who God used to do extraordinary things. And today, as we shift in the series, we're taking a look at the actual succession of Elijah transferring his power and the future of the, of the prophet leadership, the prophetic leadership of Israel to Elisha. And we're realizing that this is an actual event that takes place. God had a plan for Elijah to transfer that power to Elisha. And there's the realization that uh, we are called to make disciples. We are called to build a legacy of faith in our own lives that we can also pass on to the next generation because life doesn't begin and end with us. You know, a lot of times in our society uh, specifically, we are all about ourselves. It's very easy to become self-centered. And when we focus on ourselves, we miss out on the mission that God has for us. And we're going to dive into that today and realize the importance that we have to stay focused on spending time investing in others, truly not only building that foundation of faith, but being uh, just absolutely strategic and intentional about how I am going to pass that faith along to the people around me and to the next generation. So we've talked about the importance of being dedicated, dedicated to God. I will be willing to do whatever it takes if I need to stand alone. I am available. God, I want you to use me. We've talked about the concept that we see in Elijah of desperation, of just absolutely coming to that place where you realize, Jesus, I need you. I can't do this journey through life without you. I can't be who you want me to be without completely focusing on you. I mean, there is power in that truth. Then you realize as we progress that, man, all of this continues on with that reality that, listen, man, I have to be able to spend time with God. I not only have to create space in my life for God to move so that I don't work get, or get the worn out, I have to create space in my life where I can listen to God's voice. And last week, we talked about the significance of just carving out time for your spiritual life, making sure you're creating space so that you can hear God's voice so that you can become more like him. And as you become more like him, you realize I'm focusing on Jesus. I'm becoming who it is that he wants me to be. Now I've got to pass this faith on to the next generation. I must pass along what I've learned about Jesus to the people in my life. And that brings us to this point of discipleship. And that's all about creating margin in your life that is emotional margin so that you can invest in others. It's so that you're in a healthy enough place where you've created physical margin so you're not burned out or worn out all the time. You've created spiritual margin where you're hearing God's voice. Now I can look around me and realize there are people that God has placed in my life for a reason. God has given me influence. God has given me children. God has given me people in my life who I need to share this journey of faith with. And we're going to be learning about that as we look at this transition of power from Elijah to Elisha over these next two weeks. And what I'd like you to think about as we dive in today is the idea behind the Great Commission. The last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven are so important because they highlight the significance of the mission that each and every one of us have. It says this in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go 
make disciples of all the nations. That's the key word there. Go make disciples. That is your mission. That is my mission. And we're going to talk about that today and what that means. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that promise from Jesus because let's be honest, this task can be a little overwhelming. A lot of us don't see ourselves as leaders. And yet, if you are a follower of Jesus, by default, you are a leader. You are choosing to follow Jesus. You're choosing to turn your back on the old life and commit to following Jesus, committing to becoming more like him and you're, you're committing now as this mission that he's given you to make disciples. This involves leadership. Your job is to connect people with Jesus. Your job is to help them on a daily basis become more like him. What God is calling you to do, and make no mistake about this, he's calling you to invest in others. I want you to just pause and think about that for a second. Your mission, the great commission that God has given you, involves you taking time to invest in others, to make disciples, to teach them about Jesus, to train them on how to, to become more like him, to pass on this legacy of faith. Everything that you've learned, you are investing in others. I want to ask you this question as we dive in today. Who is it that you are investing in? If you're having a hard time thinking of a name, I want to encourage you today to realize this is your mission. You have been called by Jesus to invest in others, to make disciples. Make sure that you're not missing out on this purpose and this plan that God has for you. Because again, this is where life is lived to the fullest. We've talked about this throughout this series. The thief, the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. He's stealing your joy. He's killing your spirit. He's destroying your soul. That's his goal. But Jesus comes that you might have life and have that life to the fullest. He wants you to experience that in your own personal relationship with Jesus, but he wants you to share that experience with as many people as you possibly can. So here at Crossroads, what's our mission? Well, it comes directly from the Great Commission. It's we exist to connect people with God. That's what we are doing as a church. That's the why behind everything that we do. We are going to connect as many people to Jesus as we possibly can, because here's the thing about Christianity. It begins and it ends with evangelism. Evangelism is a big word that simply means we are sharing the good news. We are telling people about Jesus. We are introducing them to him because we believe that when you accept Christ into your life, he forgives you of your sin. He gives you a newness of life. He gives you peace. He gives you joy. You experience hope. You experience everything that you've been looking for. All of that that matters in life, that has eternal value, it's found in Jesus. That's where that eternal life begins. In fact, John 3.16, if you haven't heard, says that God loves the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. So whoever believes in him, whoever puts their trust in Jesus, will not perish but have everlasting life. That's where Christianity begins. It begins and ends with evangelism. I get saved. I encounter Jesus. I put my trust in him. I go spread the good news. I try to connect as many people to Jesus as I possibly can. That's what evangelism is. So what's discipleship? When Jesus says, go and make disciples, well, discipleship is introducing people to Jesus, but it's next level stuff. It's also involving the teaching and the training of the people who accept Jesus 
teaching them how to become more like him, training them to use the gifts and abilities that God has given them for his glory so that they can live into that purpose and plan that he has for them and so that they can become disciples who go and make disciples. It's a ripple effect. It's how we connect people with Jesus. And we do this with the realization and the promise that Jesus is with us. I mean, when he says to you, this is your mission, go and make disciples, go into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing moment, by the way. On September 13th, at our best weekend ever, we are going to be celebrating changed lives through a huge baptism service, and I want to challenge you right now. Listen, this is part of becoming and making a disciple of Jesus. If you have accepted Christ into your life, but you've not yet taken this next step of being baptized, I want to challenge you to take this next step with us on Sunday, September 13th here at Crossroads. Because here's the thing. It's going to be an amazing celebration of changed lives. That's an amazing moment where you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus and in front of everyone say, I have chosen, I have decided to follow him. It is a beautiful moment. It is a moment of celebration. If you haven't taken that next step, please join us and and let us celebrate your changed life by being baptized, all right? There's my commercial. There's my plug. I'll keep moving on. But here's the thing. When it comes to discipleship, you've got to be ready to invest in others. You've got to be willing to say, all right, Jesus, I'm in love with you. I realize you've given me a mission. How can I connect people to you? How can I share this good news? How can I invest in others and help them become more like you? It's contagious. You realize in light of all that God has done for me and all the, in light of all that God has done for you, what can I do to continue this story, to be part of what God is doing and keep connecting people with him? That's what discipleship is all about. And when we're talking about succession, building that foundation to faith in my life that I can pass on to the next generation, man, you got to circle this concept of discipleship because this is where it's at. This is the place in life where God has called all of us, each and every one of us who puts our trust in Jesus. This is where God has called us to live, to move, and to work. This is where everything really, truly matters. This is where we make eternal differences. It's when we choose to invest in others. And I'd like you to think about this for a second. When we talk about creating margin, creating emotional margin, so that I have space in my life to invest in others, let's think about this for a second. Creating space for me to invest in others, it requires the right perspective, okay? And I think we've done a good job of setting that up, right? In light of what God has done for me, How can I sit on the sidelines and not do anything? No, God has given me a mission. God has called me to lead. God has called me to help make disciples. And there is nothing better than sharing the good news of Jesus with someone, someone who accepts Christ into their life and is immediately changed. There's nothing better than that. That is the most amazing moment you will ever experience in life. It is the ultimate celebration of who God is and what he has done for us. It's his love coming to light. And when you realize that life isn't all about me, that's the change in perspective, right? It changes everything. Because at the end of the day, what's the greatest commandment? It's, it's love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind and all of your strength. Everything in my life needs to be filtered through who Jesus is, what he has done for me, and how I can best serve him. The second greatest commandment is love each other, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's number one. But love your neighbor as yourself. So my life, when it boils down to it, the most important things I can be doing are serving God and serving others. 
The problem is that our perspective gets skewed, right? And in our culture, we're fighting this uphill battle all the time because everything in our culture points right back toward me. It's all about me. And we have to get off that self-centered notion of it's all about me. We have to realize that life is lived to the fullest when I'm serving God with everything that I've got and I'm loving others the way that God loves me. When I'm committed to those two principles, discipleship, evangelism, sharing this good news and staying on mission, it, it becomes a lot easier because I'm not focused on myself. I'm not focusing on the things that I'm trying to fill, uh, all the, the desires of my heart in this life. No, I'm focusing on what it is that God wants for me, and that's eternal. That's the bigger perspective. And so as we think about this idea and this concept of investing in others, I mean, I'll just go there. I'll ask you, what, when was the last time you led someone to Jesus? Maybe this question, when was the last time you even tried? Has that been a focus of your life? I just found this out earlier this week that the, at Celebrate Recovery, right here on Tuesday night at our Goshen campus, we had someone who accepted Christ. What an amazing moment. These are moments that have eternal significance. This is, again, the why behind everything that we do here. We do all these things here at Crossroads so that people can connect with Jesus, so that they can give their life to him. But on a personal level, we've got to be fully engaged with this mission. When was the last time you led someone to Jesus? When was the last time you tried? Because people all around us, people that God has placed in our lives are hungry, they're hurting, they're desperate for that special touch from God. And God speaks through us. Remember, God speaks through Scripture, God speaks through prayer, God speaks through His Holy Spirit. He speaks through creation. But I think even most importantly, he speaks through us. He will speak through you. But we have to be engaged. We have to have the right perspective. We have to stay focused on him. So here's the thing with Elijah. Elijah got himself in trouble because he was focusing on himself. He had that great mountaintop experience where he called fire down from heaven, and then all of a sudden, the, flips, the, the switch flipped. Uh, the very next day, Queen Jezebel's threatening his life. He runs for 40 days out in the wilderness. It's all about him. He's depressed. He's discouraged. He's beaten up. He's broken down. He is completely burned out, and God finally gets his attention. He says, Mo, or, Elijah, what are you doing here? Get back. I've got a plan for you. And it's in that moment where he'd hit rock bottom where God says, hey, Elijah, hey, listen, I'm still here with you. Here's the plan. You're not alone. There are 7,000 other people just like you who are dedicated to me. I have a plan. Let's go make this happen. And it's in that moment where God tells Elijah, go anoint Elisha to be your successor. He is the one who you are going to pass your legacy of faith onto. He is going to lead Israel when I'm finished with you. So this is a big moment. Now Elijah has refocused his perspective, he's refocused on his purpose, and he's off to the races to make this happen. So I want to pick up this story again in 1 Kings 19, because we, we learned some really important principles from this interaction between Elijah and Elisha. Here's what it says. it says. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I love this because Elijah, he's the no-nonsense guy, right? He found Elisha just like God told him to. And in this moment, while Elisha's busy plowing the field, he's trying to navigate a team of oxen, which, of course, all of us have, have done at one point or another, and we know how difficult that is. He's focusing on with his oxen. I don't even know how to describe that. He's trying to plow a field with some cows or something. So Elijah's focusing on this job. Elijah comes out of nowhere, and it's like a drive-by cloaking, right? He just kind of throws his cloak over him and keeps on walking. It's a, just a hilarious moment, and yet, man, this is a huge moment. 
Because all of a sudden, Elisha, just out of the blue, sees Elijah. He knows him as the prophet of God. He's the famous prophet who called down fire from heaven. All of a sudden, he's realizing, he's distracted from his oxen. He looks over, he's got a cloak on him all of a sudden, and he realizes, Elijah is telling me that I am going to be the next prophet of Israel. This was a huge moment. This was a symbolic moment. When, when Elijah places that mantle, that cloak on Elisha, that's symbolic of the presence of God that has been with Elijah is now going to rest on Elisha. This is a huge moment. This is not to be underestimated. This is a moment that changes everything for the life of Elisha. And this is a moment where Elijah, being obedient, is saying, hey, it's not just about me anymore. Now I'm focusing on passing this legacy of faith, this presence of God, down to Elisha. This is a big moment. This is a moment that changes everything. So it says, Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. It says that Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done for you. Think about the calling that God has placed on your life. Think about the purpose and the plan that he has for you. A significant moment. I would contend today that when we're talking about investing in others, investing in the lives of the people around us, we have to be thinking in terms of what is it that God has called them to? What's the purpose and plan that God has for our children, for the people that God has placed in our life that are far from Jesus, who are desperate for the hope that he offers us all? We've got to start looking at the people in our lives through the eyes of Jesus and realize what he has done for them. We can be the ones who speak life. We can be the ones that introduce them to Jesus, that teach them how much he loves them, that, that can train them on how to become like Jesus and live in to life to the fullest, experiencing the purpose and the plan that God has for them. We get to be a part of that. And so Elijah here has thrown the cloak on Elisha. It's a great moment. But, you know, Elisha's not quite ready to go. He's got to go say bye to mom and dad, right? And so I'm sure this drives Elijah a little bit crazy. And what you've got to realize is that creating space for me to invest in others, it requires patience, all right? Patience is an attribute of true love. When I truly love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, when I love others the way that God loves me, that's going to help me be patient. Because everybody's different. We're all wired differently. We all have different gifts and abilities. I'll never forget when I was a youth pastor in Lakeland, Florida. We had an intern uh, one summer who joined us uh, for three months, and he was from Germany. And so he had different quirks, you know, different traits, different ways of saying things because he was from Germany, and everything was just a little bit different. And I'll never forget he had been helping us at a kid's camp. We're out in the middle of this beach area. He's running into the lake to go swimming. And he is a big guy, probably 6'2", 6'3", just tall, tall guy, athletic guy. He runs into the water. And as he's running into the water, he must have hit like a rock or a brick or something extremely painful. Because when he ran into the water, all of a sudden he fell down. He came up out of the water surrounded by all these kids yelling words that we can't use on TV or in general life. Uh, it was just a special moment. And I'm going, hey, whoa, whoa, we can't say things like that. And his immediate response was, well, that's how we talk in Germany. I'm like, no, that's not how we talk here in the good old USA. Hey, come on now. Come on. you got to tone it down. There's kids around here. Come on. It was a hilarious moment where I had to be patient with a guy who saw things completely different. Most notably, this guy went on to be a great pastor. He's a pastor of one of our largest churches up in the Netherlands now, which is amazing. I, I love how God uses all of us who are wired differently in different ways. But the whole point there is we've got to be patient. 
You know, God's been patient with us. I think in my ministry, all the times that I caused problems and consternation for the people that were in authority over me, people have been patient with me. When we talk about this concept of discipleship, there have been people in my life who shaped my journey who I am forever indebted to. My ministry began by a a man, a pastor named Ernie Lewis, taking a chance on a guy who had zero ministry experience, uh, who he believed had a call to ministry on his life. He's the guy who called me and said, Tim, I believe God's got a plan for you. that He wants you to go into ministry. I'd love for you to be my youth pastor. Man, for the first two and a half years of my ministry, he was my guy. He was my mentor. I went on to a different church to be a youth pastor. A guy named Pat Glenn poured himself into me. I learned so much from Pat. He discipled me. He taught me. He trained me how to be the best pastor, to be a better follower of Christ. I came up here to Crossroads, it's been 12 years ago, holy smoke, as a youth pastor where a guy named Mark Royer poured life into me. These are people who along my journey have discipled me, have mentored me, have, have given me wisdom that helped change my path, that changed my trajectory in life, have helped me live into the plan and the purpose that God has for me. Guys, that's who God calls each and every one of us to be, people who are willing to invest in others. It, sh- it takes the right perspective. It helps me keep focused. It's not about me. It's about serving God, loving him, and loving others. But it's also about being patient because people are different than you and I, right? Everybody's different. Everybody has their quirks. Everybody's going to drive you crazy at some point. And yet patience is what is required. Patience is a virtue of true love. I love 1 Corinthians 13. It's usually a passage of scripture that we say for weddings. But what a powerful description of what love is. When you think about investing in someone and the time that that takes and the patience you have to have, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's the kind of patience that we are supposed to have. That's the way that we are supposed to love others. And when it comes to investing in others, pouring our lives in them, helping them learn about who Jesus is, the love that he has for them, and training them to become more like him, today, I got to challenge you, you've got to be investing in someone. This is your mission. This is the mission that God has given every single one of us. You can't be content just growing on your own and keeping that to yourself. You've got to keep your eyes wide open and be ready to invest in the people that God has placed in your life. This story continues. It says, so Elisha returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. This is a big moment because this is a moment that signifies no turning back. This was his livelihood. He was plowing the fields with his oxen. Well, that's gone now. The plow's been destroyed. Everything's slaughtered. Everything's burned. There is no turning back. I love this moment. And when you realize that, you realize that creating space for me to invest in others, it requires perseverance. It means that, hey, I'm all in on this. In light of what God has done for me, I can't sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I need to keep growing in my faith and my journey with Jesus, but I need to be also looking around with eyes wide open, with the eyes of Jesus, and recognizing who it is that Jesus wants me to invest in. Because this is my life work. This is my mission. This is the ultimate purpose and plan that God has for me. He calls me to make disciples. He calls me, he challenges me to create space in my life to invest in others. 
This is critical if we're going to become who Jesus wants us to be. It's critical if we're going to have a foundation for our faith that's going to be passed on to, to the next generation. This is our children. This is their faith. This is their journey. This is their story with Jesus. This is the people in our lives who are desperate for that special touch, desperate for hope. Make sure that you're looking at the people in your life through the eyes of Jesus. Make sure you are taking every chance you can to truly invest in others. and Make a difference for eternity. I want to close with the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Powerful words from Jesus, a powerful promise, but he is with you. He will give you the words to say. He will give you the wisdom in those moments where you don't know what you're doing. God is with you. God is faithful. He has called you to a mission, and he will help you complete that. I ask you this question. Are you creating enough space in your life to invest in others? Is your perspective right? Are you focusing on loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? I challenge you today. Make sure that you're all in, that you're being patient with the people God's placed in your life, that you're absolutely persevering, that you're pressing on. There's no turning back. Live into that plan that God has for you and make sure you're creating space to invest in the people in your life. Jesus, we are so thankful for your love today. It is extravagant and we don't deserve it. We are so thankful for all that you have done for us and the opportunity that we have to be your children and to live into the, to your story and to live fully into this purpose and plan that you have for us. We recognize today that you've given each of us a mission. You've given us a job, and that is to go and to make disciples. So God, help us to identify, to look at the people in our lives through your eyes. Realize there are people who are desperate, who are hurting, who need you be willing to invest in these people, to teach them about who you are and to train them how to become more like you each and every day. And at the same time, God, help us to become better followers of you. Continue to teach us, continue to guide us, continue to train us. And God, may we live fully into the story that you have created for us and keep connecting people with you. We love you. We praise you today. We pray this in your name. Amen.